if you think I'm cool enough to do that. <laughs> why, why would they think you're cool enough? Because <laughs> I don't feel that cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, I just feel like I'm just, like, live my life like a chicken with its head that's just cut off. Like, You'll only live for three more days, so just to let you know. Is... Except mine just, like, doesn't stop. <laughs> Alright guys, hey, welcome back to More Than a Pretty Face. I am so excited to be with you guys again. I'm your host, Natalia, and today I'm going to be talking to my dear, dear friend, the lovely, lovely Ashley Rivera. Say hi, Ashley. Hello, everybody. So... <laughs> keep going, keep going. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this is cool because this is the first interview that we've done over Skype and, um, it's a low key plug for Skype apparently because apparently it's still a thing. Um, so (laughs) excuse our nonsense that is to follow. Um, but yeah, Ashley, do you want to tell the listeners at home a little bit about yourself? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so like she said, I'm Ashley. I am a missionary associate with the Assemblies of God World Missions, AGWM. Um, right now, I was working in Northern Asia. I need to be a little vague about it, but I was somewhere in Northern Asia, um, basically just doing some nonprofit stuff. And then now I will be heading over to Sicily doing um, working with refugees and all that whole situation out there. So I'll be leaving for that soon, hopefully beginning of August. Yes, I'm really, really proud of her. <laughs> it's just, it's so nice to see you're just like, oh, look at the butterfly fly. Because you guys don't know this, but Ashley was super shy. <laughs> I know. Who would have thought out of all of us growing up? Leaving the different countries. Like, I'm just going to travel. Um, no, but it's true because, I don't know, I just always think that's an interesting take and how do you so I guess to start off kind of how did you feel like you chose this path um good question see I kind of feel like I didn't it was kind of like chosen for me so obviously being a Christian following Jesus that influences everything of who I am and all my decisions and everything and so when I was getting more serious about my faith in the college years and stuff like that, I really felt like, um, like it just kept coming to my mind randomly, like missions or, um, or I would just randomly start thinking about it. And that was never on my radar. That was never what I wanted. Like, yeah, cause you said, want to be a teacher. I remember yeah, this. I wanted to be a teacher like my whole entire life. Like I never strayed. I was somebody that like, I needed a schedule. I, wasn't good with change I needed a routine mm-hmm. um and so I would have never chosen a lifestyle that like is just like constant instability <laughs> for my life basically I would have never chosen that um especially by myself like I 
just never I was like well if I did if I did ever do that Mm -hmm. I would just wait till I was married and stuff like that um so basically when I was getting more serious about it I just kept felt like it was being brought to my heart and so I wanted to be a teacher growing up and I wanted to do that because I wanted to help people and I was like well like I can't cut people open because then I'll faint and like you know throw up myself so I can't be a doctor can't be a dentist not interested in that um I mean like a teacher sounds and like I love animals but I want to help like humans so I was like a teacher (laughs) like a vet would have been like really fun but Mm -hmm. I was like but I want to help humans so like let's just be a teacher that works kids you know like I can I can deal with kids I've done kids a lot growing up Mm -hmm. um was even a children's director at a church at one point so I was like I can do kids so like that'll work like that'll that makes sense Mm -hmm. basically and when I just kept like when I felt like it just kept being brought to my heart over and over and over, um, I just started praying about it, started seeking the Lord about it. And, um, I felt like he really just wanted me to go. And so I was like, okay, mm-hmm. go where do what <laughs> I don't like when, at least in the church world that I grew up in, I kind of knew about missionaries and I kind of knew about missions, but I didn't know much in the church that we grew up in we didn't see many I don't know if you remember seeing many yeah we didn't so just to let the listeners in Ashley and I grew up together is what we're trying to say like there is like a backstory I didn't just like find her on the street um I was like hey you look cool um no no (laughs) known each other for some time we grew up in the same church um but yeah I don't remember it really being a thing like I'm I feel like I think, I feel like the closest we ever got to it was like when we went to camp and those pastors just basically were traveling, like that's what they did. And I feel like that's the closest we ever got to it. Um, Mm. but it was never something like we really talked about, although we did have that wall. You remember it was like before the church got renovated, they had like that wall of like missionaries that we like supported, like missionary family. Yeah, it was like it wasn't like a big wall. It wasn't like oh my gosh, the wall. It was it was just like a casual wall. But like I, I shows you where my head was. It's fine. It's not important. Yeah, it's fine. Weren't we all though? You know, at some point we were just like we're still working on it. I was like that Jesus thing. Like I don't really know about it, but like these people seem cool. So, but but yeah, there was like a wall of like missionaries that we supported but yeah we never did I feel like I don't remember doing like a lot of like special offerings or yeah stuff like, like that so never ta- like I knew it existed and I knew that there were missionaries somewhere and I knew they, they like existed yeah I didn't I just didn't know anything and so when I was like okay lord I feel like you want me I feel like this is what you want me to do um does that mean I just go to Africa and feed orphans? Like, that was the only basis that I yeah. was like, because that's all I had heard of. That's all I knew. And I was mm-hmm. like, does that just mean Africa? Like, I don't know. So anyways, I was still in college at this point, and I was just praying about it. I'm graduating college in about two months, and I had a couple different positions that um, was offered and that were interesting at that point, but I just didn't feel right about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there wasn't anything wrong with them like they were great positions and I feel like I would have done a good job and I feel like I would have enjoyed it too like it's not like I wouldn't have been happy or something um but I am a firm believer that uh I wasn't created just to be happy I do believe that um, as a Christian I'm created 
to worship the Lord with my life and give everything I can to people so that they can experience the same thing that I'm able to experience now. Um, and so I was just praying about it and I was like, Lord, like I will try and figure this mission thing thing out, but like, you're going to have to help me. I have no idea where to even start, where to even go. Like, what do you even do? Like, how do, do you just like pick up and buy a plane ticket? Like, what do you, I don't, (laughs) what do you do? So I went to this woman's conference that I had to be at for my senior internship And one of the speakers there was actually a missionary from somewhere in Northern Asia. Um, And so, you know, this has been on my heart. This has been on my mind. I'm graduating in two months. And, I mean, Natalia, you know that this is not me. I am not, like, outgoing. (laughs) I am not outspoken. I am not Mm -hmm. super opinionated. Um, I'm about the most submissive and people-pleaser person you can think of. Um, But, like, in the best way. (laughs) very introverted but I overheard what um hotel room she was staying in and so that night I went to you stalked her my yeah before I went to my hotel room I like found her hotel room and I like knocked on the door and she opened it I was like hi like I know you don't know me and I don't know you but I really really have some questions and I really think that I need to talk to you about it and she was so kind so awesome um just let me let me come right in, and then she just started talking to me about what she did, about her life, um, and the need that was in the area that she was working in, and the need for women to be working in the area that she was working in, and so that was, to me, was kind of like, you know what, Lord, like, um, even if this, this isn't the place that you want me for the next 40 years, for the rest of my life, or 10 years, I will definitely just work under this woman and learn from her and glean Mm -hmm. from her um, for a year while I figure out this whole missions thing. And, yeah, so that weekend I applied and then got approved, started the process, and then was there for a year. And that's kind of how that all started, really. Mm -hmm. That's so – you're just so nifty. (laughs) So listeners, Ashley doesn't think she's that cool, but she is that cool. <laughs> no, yeah, it was definitely, um, I think for me, and I come from, I don't know if this is my mindset partially because I come from a, a I would say, traditional Hispanic household where um, I am a girl, so... I live with my parents until I get married and then I move in with my husband and then he's the leader. And, um, that's kind of how it is. Like marriage is kind of everything in the Hispanic world and like children having kids. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, it's like an obligation, like it's an expectation. Um, and so when it wasn't happening for me and not even cause I didn't want it to happen, I just didn't feel like that's how, I didn't feel like that's how God was orchestrating my life at that Mm -hmm. moment and not that there was anything wrong with me, but I did feel that pressure, even though I knew um, that I was following the Lord and I knew it just all felt even like in the moments of freaking out. I think everyone is always like, Ashley, like I hear all the time, Ashley, like, but weren't you scared? I'm like, yeah, I was terrified. Like the entire time. We're still scared guys. It's real out here. I've ever stopped being scared. I've just, done it scared like Mm -hmm. I did it scared anyways and just kind of pushed forward in that and um, because even in the midst of the fear and the anxiety and the stress that comes with the life that I'm in right now um I just knew it was the Lord it was what the Lord 
wanted. And it just felt so right. I, there's no mm. other feeling than it just felt so right. So, like, you kind of mentioned and talked about the traditionalness of your household. And how do you feel like that, like, affected you? Like, I know we, like, talked about it a little bit. And I, and I feel like both our parents are similar in that. <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> they're, like... Because I, our listeners are like, I work in this nonprofit space of like very much uncertainty and like, don't know where the next paycheck is coming from because nonprofits never trying to be paying you. Um, (laughs) That's for another episode where I will vent my frustration about the indentured servitude that is unpaid internships is fine. (laughs) But I just talk a little bit about that and like if you feel comfortable the experience that like your family had to kind of go through in terms of like you decide like hey I'm not gonna be here until I get married I plan on leaving tomorrow yeah so for it's it's been interesting because obviously obviously it's affected me a ton like it's my life but it doesn't just affect me and I think that's something that people don't necessarily realize about missionaries is that it really does affect their families and especially if the families um, don't share the same faith I can't even imagine how hard that is because it's already a hard concept to grasp when you do share the same faith so my parents are extremely extremely supportive um, and so are my siblings but it it is it is hard like I I don't want to be like, oh my gosh, it's so hard, but I also don't want to like sugarcoat it and be Mm -hmm. like, oh, like, no, it's totally fine. It's totally worth it because it is worth it, but it does, it does come with a cost. Um, I have two younger siblings, obviously. I have a brother that's three years younger, and then I have a sister that's basically 10 years younger. And so I feel like as a child, you always, I mean, you know, eventually you're going to leave your parents, you know, eventually you're going to move out. But, and so that doesn't really come with a shock to you when it happens. It's kind of like just part of life, but I just never thought about leaving my siblings. That's something I just, I don't know. I just didn't really think about. So that one did hit me and I think it hit them a little bit harder than we all thought. Um, especially in the country where I was for my first term, you know, I didn't really have water for a couple weeks at a time. I definitely did not have electricity for like, months at a time so it's not even like I could just like hop on FaceTime and just like FaceTime them whenever Mm -hmm. like sometimes I really wanted to FaceTime them and um the power was out and like literally there's just nothing I could do and I was (laughs) like oh okay and so it really it really stunk when like holidays came around and birthdays came around um and I know for them it was really it was really hard on the holidays and like just those special days also Mm -hmm. and especially for my sister who's so much younger and still going through high school, um, how she was like, I basically feel like I'm just an only child because my brother's also out of the house too. Um, And she's like, I mean, you're my sister still, but, you know, you're just, I'm like, I'm no longer, I'm just no longer there. And so I I feel like it's a cost that kind of everybody has to pay a little bit, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. And it does make it hard because I want to I obviously want to not let anybody down and I want to talk to them as much as they want me to and I want to be able to call them and FaceTime them as much as I want them to but even when like I couldn't Uh and I just couldn't meet the expectation I couldn't and there was nothing I could do about not meeting it um kind of killed me 
And then even on the days where I was, like, it was just really rough living in a third world country, basically by myself. Um, luckily, I had an amazing roommate towards the end of my first term. So I was able, you know, we were going through the same thing. She was in the same boat. She had younger siblings also. And so we were able to just kind of vent to each other. Um, but yeah, I think it's hard because this is not a life where I'm not making money. So I'm not successful. I'm not, it doesn't look like I'm living a successful life financially. Um, stability wise, it looks very unsuccessful also. Cause I probably was going in and out of the country so much. And then, you know, I have to raise support in between every single term. Um, and so eventually my terms will get longer, but that still means that some years for like two or three years, I'll be over in the country. And then for a year or two, I'll be back in America somewhere raising support. And so I'll probably never be able to have a house because it doesn't make sense when you literally like, it's, so it's just yeah. like, we'll just take it literally a year at a time, <laughs> see how it goes. And so I know that also for my parents and especially my grandparents really, really mm-hmm. have a hard time because it just like, it looks like to them, like. I feel like my life looks like such a struggle and like they, especially, especially my grandparents worked so hard for their, for their kids not to struggle and in turn for their grandkids not to struggle. And so they, they just don't understand basically why I've chose this like struggle life versus making a lot of money or just living comfortably and settling down with like a white picket fence. Um, you do have a fence. (laughs) <laughs> your parents asked us about that. Because I, yep, I'm living with my parents right now. Exactly. So we got a sense. Our parents do. They pay for it, but I live here. <laughs> so you talked about like, I mean, I know a little bit about the raising support process, and but what was that like for you having to do? Because you're in the second phase of, well, the second time that you've had to raise support. Uh, it is the most uncomfortable um humbling process you could ever go through and I was hoping second time around it wouldn't be as hard um but it still was I think it's just I mean it's hard asking for money like it's just such an awkward thing to begin Mm -hmm. with to be like hey can you give me this amount of money like every month like that's just an awkward thing in itself and even though it's for a good cause uh it's for a good cause um (laughs) you know same thing (laughs) yeah yeah, basically um not everybody gets it and so I also get a lot of questions like like why can't you go over there and work and like support yourself and I'm like well I could do that but then I wouldn't have time to do the thing that I'm going to do Mm -hmm. and then there's all those and for countries that I could do that in um I probably most likely can't get a visa to go in that way. So the only way I could get in the country would be through a different way, which would require support. And it's, it's a lot more than people realize. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so honestly, what, when you give to a missionary, what it is, is that you are joining them in that work. And so missionaries are the people that go, but the people that send them financially are no less important in the equation. And I think that's what I always try my best to convey to people um, is that, like, it's like you and me. It's basically like you and me going over there Mm -hmm. and doing it together because I literally could not be doing what I do if it wasn't for my supporters. Mm -hmm. And so I would never be able to reach the people that I'm reaching if it wasn't for my supporters. And I mean, the Bible talks about the body of Christ. And honestly, that's what support raising is. It's just, it's 
the picture of the body of Christ. Some people are the arms, some people are the legs, some people are the eyes, some people are the mouth. Um, but every single part is important. And it's hard, but for that reason alone, and especially now having been on the field and being back, um, and so having encountered people in those countries that needed help and received it because of my supporters, it's as awkward as it is and as humbling as it is to have to ask for money. Um, people are so worth it. And I just, yeah, I try my best to convey that to people. Some people don't get it. Some people think it's ridiculous. Um, some people think I'm throwing my life away. And some people have asked when this phase is going to leave me. Um, this phase. Oh, just what I want to do with my life, but it's a phase. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think it's very, very humbling. It teaches you a lot about yourself. It shows me just how prideful I was, um, really is what it did, both times. So apparently the pride didn't leave the first time. Both times it showed me how prideful I was. I didn't want to ask people for money. I remember the first time when I realized I was going to have to support raise or raise support, um, I was like, I would rather work for like five years and save my money than like ask people for money. I would rather do that. It's real. Um, yeah. And I just was like, Ashley, like, that just shows how prideful you are. Like you need people to go and there's no shame in that. It's people working together. It's one of the most unifying things that humanity humanity can do, I think. So, yeah, that's how I would – that's what I would say about that. How did you – okay, so I also when – I feel like when I talk about – because you're not my only friend that does missions or has done missions, and it's – and I feel like it's a complicated issue because I feel like there's this idea that we're, like, going – or people are going into these places just kind of telling everybody that they're wrong – and be, like, these crazy Bible-thumper preacher people that, like, you're all going to go to hell. So what do you feel like is the biggest – I feel like that's the biggest misconception about what you do, especially comparing, you know, what you did in your first trip. Because I know what you did in your first trip, and that is super far uh, from what you did. So what do you think is the biggest misconception that people kind of have about you or missionaries in general? Yeah, so, yeah, I that's, like, the main reason. Whenever people ask me what I do for a living, I'm always, like, I always just try and dodge the question mm-hmm. because I just hate <laughs> telling people that I'm a missionary because of the connotation that's just so strongly connected to it still because um, it's just so negative. It's so the opposite of love and the opposite mm-hmm. of what um, <coughs> Christianity really stands for. Um and even when I was overseas, um, it, it even got in the way sometimes of me trying to help because they just assumed that I was just trying to convert and I just wanted them to just change my religion that they couldn't even, like, they couldn't even accept help. Even though that's not, like, I cannot convert anybody. Like, I'm not cool enough or powerful enough to do that. <laughs> I was like, like cool as first. I'm not cool <laughs> enough to convert you. Too like, cool. I'm just a 25-year-old girl that's trying to live my life and trying to help people. I can't – there's no way I can convert somebody. Like, I can't do that. Um, and so, basically, to me, um, a missionary is just somebody – I mean, we all should be doing it, but missionaries are just people that do it overseas in other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, they go where a need is. And they help, and they try and meet that need in all areas, mentally, emotionally, 
physically and spiritually. And so what I mean by spiritually is I don't mean I'm going to shove my religion down your throat. I mean, I want to build a friendship and a relationship with you. And I want to hear where you stand on those things. And I want to hear, I want, I would love for you to hear where I stand on those things. And I would love to have healthy conversations on where we disagree and where we agree. And I think I just want to be, I just want to hear you out and I would love for you to hear me out. And I want to help you get to a healthier place, however that may be. And so that is my goal. And so I'm not going over there and just like hitting people on the heads with Bibles and like calling it a day. Like if you need food, I'm going to do my best to use our resources to get you food. If you, I, and also that's kind of the tricky part where sometimes the need is, a little bit masked. So there was this friend I had where I was working and she was like, I really need money. I really need money. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, so let me see what I can do, how we can help you out. Um, but she kept doing it. And I was like, do you need money or do you need to learn a skill so you can get a job? Like what's really going to help you? Yeah. Cause I mean, everybody needs money, but like, I really, I want to help you work a lasting effect. The deeper why. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The deeper why. That's a great way of putting it. And so, yeah, she had just never been taught um, a skill. She couldn't work. So that's what she was always asking for money. So I was like, let's learn how to sew. Let's learn how to do this. And then I'm going to go with you throughout the town, and we're going to find you a job. Mm -hmm. And so I did. And then she was, like, so grateful. And she was like, this is the best thing. And not only did it help her financially, but then it just gave her a sense of purpose also. Mm -hmm. Um, She was like, I don't need to be just begging people and like hoping to get by another day like I'm able to do this I'm able to take care of my family and all that so I think that's the biggest misconception is that people just think they're shoving like missionaries are just shoving religion down people's throats um I've had people like um my team's trying to help some some friend some friends and um we're doing our best and eventually like two months later they were like so when so if I never accept Jesus would you still be friends with me because they were like I know that's your end goal and I was like that is not my end goal my end goal is to be your friend Mm -hmm. and if you think that's my end goal then obviously I haven't done a good job of conveying how much your friendship means to me Um, I was like if you never decide to do that with your life I'm not going to love you any less like that's on that's your decision that's for you to decide and I can tell you what has been amazing for me and that's mm-hmm. why I share it because because it's there's I have found such a freedom um and I just want people mm-hmm. to experience that or to have the choice to choose to yeah. experience if they want to um but really I just want to be your friend I just want to help you out anyway I can so um that being said I do know that there are one or two or maybe more than that couple crazy Christians that unfortunately one or two <laughs> one or two really mm. be nice. <laughs> I know there are some, some crazies out there and so whenever people do bring that up to me I'm like listen you just need to separate Christ from the Christians it's two different things um I've met a lot of crazy Muslims and mm-hmm. because of that I do and even though because of that I don't go all Islams are all all Muslims are crazy, like, I can never deal with them, like, I just think, okay, those one or two are a little bit out there, yeah, a little bit out there, um, you have those, I think, in all religious circles, um, 
So I always just try and tell people, yes, there are some people that do take it too far. I agree. I do not agree with how they deliver their message, and sometimes I don't even agree with the message. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you get to know me and you ask me questions about that, I'll answer as honestly as I can, and then the rest is up to you. So it's really, it's really all it is. I can't convince anybody to change their religion. That's a huge <laughs> It's a huge decision. That's a process. That's also yeah. like a, that's not an overnight. Like it took me a while to get where, like where I'm at. So I don't, I, and I had to choose that for myself. So I don't believe that any human can really convert another human. I really don't <laughs> think that's possible. So what did you find? Like, I know for me right now, like in the current climate of just everything that is everything in our country it's like it's so challenging um it's so it's challenging to be part of a group that's you know calling themselves Christian and when you see like all these horrible things happening and they're they're calling themselves Christians but allowing awful things to happen or you know being in that in that mindset and that has been something that's been really challenging to me um, and just in that same vein, what has been really challenging to you, like in your faith and like letting you continue on to do the work that you want to do? Yeah. So, um, I believe the gospel is all about basically in short, the gospel is, um, God sent his son to earth, um, because there's just so much sin in us, um, because of the fall. And that he totally took our place and he loved us. He loved us enough to do that. And he loved us enough to take our place and then give us the choice if we wanted to accept him or not. Um, And because of that, we're able to have salvation. We're able to access grace and mercy and all these crazy, amazing things that I don't deserve. Um, And I think one of the things that I really realized, especially in my first term, is those hard questions that you don't really want to think about, um, I think it's totally okay, and I think it's totally healthy to wrestle through those and ask those questions and really, really, um, really analyze your faith, analyze your beliefs, and, and that's why I was saying, that's why I think it's so important in friendships to really have those talks, um, and be really, really honest, and I think, I think in today's day and age, it's getting really, really hard just because I feel like, I feel like everybody kind of just gets offended over everything. So I feel like it's making it a little bit harder to have those talks that I think are so healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with everybody's differing opinions, it's like, I feel like nobody can say anything right anymore. I'm like, well, like, what can I even say? Like, there's nothing I can say where nobody's going to get offended. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I think that the more um honestly the more that I've been just intentional with reading the Bible and really figuring it out for myself and really reading what it says and like being in it like every single day being like I am going to figure this thing out um I think if somebody does that they will find um they'll find what I found. And what I found is that even when it totally doesn't make sense, um, you can in a crazy way still see the hand of God in everything. I remember 
when I was in my first term, there were some crazy things happening to me, to other people on my team, and to everybody on the outside. It didn't make sense to stay. It was just getting, it was just getting too crazy. Life was getting a little bit too much. It was getting a little bit too crazy. Too real. Um, too real, yeah. And people were like, do you want to go home? Do you want to leave? And I was just praying about it and just really in my word. And I was just like, God, like, you have been so good. Even in the midst of everything, I've still seen you move. And it's so crazy because life isn't, it's not always, it's not in just like a nice little upward climb and like, oh, I'm living my life helping people. Everything is peachy and yeah. rainbows and butterflies. It's very, very much the opposite, actually. And, um, but just still like, I don't know, it's just holding on to the promises that are in the Bible. And, and that's why I tell people, like, I, I don't live for money. I don't live for earthly success. Like, the Bible says that this is not my home. So that means that the Lord is with me through everything that I go here, that I go through on earth. He is with me, not that um, bad things don't happen, that even when they do, He is in the midst of it. He is walking with you. He is talking with you. Um, he is giving you grace for every, just enough grace for every single situation. And that my promise is that one day I'll be with him in heaven. That is the promise. The promise isn't that I'm going to get whatever I want. The promise isn't that because I've helped people, I'm going to have a really, really nice retirement. The promise isn't any of that. The promise is that I get to be with Jesus Christ at the end of the day. And, um, and hopefully, hopefully I can have helped one or two people along the way. Hopefully I can help them find the same freedom that I found. You know, I'm definitely a naturally a um, don't like change um, perfectionist over analytical um, introverted type of person <laughs> that just wants to people please and like please my authority. And that's naturally what I'm like. And because of just and oh, my gosh, and just, you know super insecure growing up and everybody's opinions affected me because I just couldn't stop thinking about what people thought about me and just really living for Christ has just totally been like I live for God and like he sees me and he knows my heart and he kn that's the thing like he knows my heart and he still chooses me which is crazy it's like <laughs> I don't have the best heart it's like he knows my heart and he loves me enough to not keep me that way he loves me enough to patiently and graciously change me to be more loving, to be more kind, to be more empath empathetic. I think I was not very empathetic before because I was just so in my own head mm -hmm. um, that it just made me selfish. I think what people don't realize is pride isn't always um, thinking yourself better of others. Pride is just thinking of yourself. So even mm -hmm. though when I was growing up, I kind of thought about myself in a degrading way um, because I was always so anxious and because I was always so worried and because I was about what people were thinking about me, um, even though I didn't think I was better than anybody, but I was still just thinking about myself more than other people. Um, and so that, that in a sense is definitely pride. And so even the Lord just taking that and being like, listen, like you're free of that. I've created you in my image and my image is full of joy. My image is full of hope. My image is full of kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and all of those good things. Um, and that is what is in you. So live like it, basically, and just really allowed me to live like that, which brings such a freedom. It brings such a hope, even when the world, I feel like, just gets crazier and crazier, and you turn on the news, and it's just 
It's just crazier and crazier everywhere you go. I like it's like astonishing the things that are becoming normal even nowadays. Um, and but like luckily I do have a hope that I get to live with. And so that's the only reason I, like, tell people about that, because, like, I would love for you to have the opportunity to have that same hope that I do, um, because even on the days that I don't feel like getting out of bed, even on the days where I still get, still get very, very um, anxious, um, I still, that hope doesn't go away. And that's the crazy thing about it all, is that hope doesn't go away, and that's always what I tell um, what I tell people whenever they ask me why I'm still choosing to do this. Is that I think people are worth it. I think everybody is worth it. I think they deserve to know that there is a hope, mm-hmm. and that um, and that they should they should wrestle with those thoughts and those ideas and figure it out for themselves. I think it's totally healthy. I think it's normal, and I um, I think unfortunately it's getting harder to do that though. Do you feel like Do you feel like as a woman? there is like this extra level of pressure on you or this extra level of like uncertainty that of of going kind of into this world because I, in a way, like you're still doing like a pastoral type of leadership. And so, and that as we, you know, see all the time is like such a male dominated um, field. And so how do you feel like you combated that type of idea or notion or um or having people think that you can't do it because you're a woman it's like well how are you going to survive those like harsh conditions kind of thing I think that is an excellent question because I think I get hit on that angle of me being a girl in this lifestyle from all ends and I'm kind of going to touch on each end um especially based off of my first term because I was in a in a very male-dominated culture for my first term. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely saw it there. But, yeah, stateside and support raising, um, it is it is hard. You know, you're asking people to give money, and that is not a, a small sacrifice. Like, I do not take that lightly. Every single time somebody decides to support me, I take that very, very seriously because that – it's a huge commitment that somebody is making to you every single month. Like, that's not like, oh, thanks for giving me your money. Like, that's huge. Mm-hmm. And so in order for people to do that, they need to trust you. And in essence, and in essence, they need to be able to believe that you can do it. And so, yeah, I had a lot of people be like, you're a single 24, 25-year-old girl. Actually, when I left, I was 23. You're a single mm-hmm. 23-year-old girl who has never left the country by yourself, and now you're going to go move over to a different country and work for a nonprofit for like a couple years at a time like <laughs> like oh like, okay really, cool like you really think you really think you can do that and so I had a lot of but what about marriage what about starting a family you know your biological clock is ticking like blah 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 here's the thing your boyfriend is also a missionary <laughs> he's already gone <laughs> I know and like, like, <laughs> like people don't understand like like I know what I'm getting into like I've signed up for this like I've chosen this and yes, my boyfriend is very supportive because he's doing the same thing. <laughs> and we probably wouldn't be together. He probably wouldn't date me if I wasn't doing this. So, like, That's... luckily, we're on the same page with that. Luckily, he is very much um, all for a woman doing this kind of thing. But I think on stateside, it is hard because people just, it's like, they just don't I have to fight a little bit more than I feel like a guy would mm-hmm. um, for them to take me seriously. Um, so my boyfriend also has to support Rave. And... Um, 
He's already there, isn't he? He's already. Yeah, he's already they're there. doing this. So just to catch it, they're doing the same mission this time around. Um, yeah. And so last time I checked, he was already. He like yeah, just got there, there, which is bananas <laughs> because <laughs> he's never he's never had to support Reese, right? Like this is his yeah, first time, and he's there before you. <laughs> And he's there before me. And, like, luckily, he's a dual citizen of this country, of Italy, so he didn't need to go to the visa process and mm-hmm. everything. But, um, but yeah, he's already there. Like, And so <laughs> it was just funny for me to see, like, I had to meet with most of my supporters in person and really, like, talk to them about what I was doing and really be like, no, like, you're doing it with me and I really need you. And I that's how I went. A lot of one-on-one time is how I went on my support mm-hmm. how I went about getting it um and he um was able to get into a lot more churches and so he didn't really need a lot of individual support but churches just wouldn't pick me up I feel like um in my organization it's also like you support raise within your district and so there are boundaries on what you can and can't do um and just for a couple of those reasons and also I think just because I was a girl I only have like two churches like supporting me mm-hmm. and then the rest are individuals and for him it's like the opposite it's like all these churches and then like fewer individuals so you do see that um stateside I was also talking to another missionary friend who just came back from London with her <laughs> husband <laughs> bananas I <laughs> yeah I don't know can I name people I, I, I mean okay? I I think that's totally okay I mean they're pretty fabulous humans it's not like we're gonna be talking bad about them <laughs> no I know so I met with Vanessa at Carlene's wedding actually and I know everybody listening has no idea who these people are, but it's fine. She's another missionary friend who's quite lovely. Her and her husband, they're yeah, lovely humans. So she, was saying, she was saying she's finding the same exact thing, that it was just now that she's married and going through it, um, it's so much easier with a man alongside you, she was saying, than when she was a single girl doing it. That's bananas but, because Vanessa was killing it in the yeah. game. Like, she's, she's, she's a real one, is basically... Yeah. And it's bananas to think, like, oh, that now her husband's by her... Like, not that he's not also a good human. It's just... No, not that he's not great, yeah. Yeah, it's just... She was also, like, killing it before she's... Anyway, our feelings. (laughs) (laughs) So, stateside, I did see that a little bit. Um, And then once I went overseas into an extremely male-dominated culture, just women suddenly not having a voice, I had to watch how I walked, how I dressed, how I talked, how I made eye contact. Like, I just had to – it made me a little paranoid, actually. I had to just think about and overthink, which Mm -hmm. isn't good for an overthinker. But (laughs) I had to, like, overthink and analyze every single thing that I did because I was like, like, am I being okay? Um, Meanwhile, the guys didn't even be worried about anything. Mm -hmm. So the guys, like, the locals that were living there, they could do whatever they want. But not only that, that meant that whenever a guy came – if I was a man, I could have done whatever I want, and it wouldn't have changed that much for me. But because I was a woman, my life did look very, very different. There were certain opportunities that I couldn't do simply for the only fact being that I was a girl. Um, there were some places I couldn't go. There were some events I couldn't do because I was a girl, and nobody would come if a girl did it. It wouldn't be acceptable. Um, so I had to be very, very strategic about how I went about doing things because um, – I think another thing is that I am a huge believer is of if I'm in your country, I'll go by 
your culture. I'm not mm-hmm. going to try and be like, well, Americans do it this oh, way. Yeah. That is not mm-hmm. why I'm there. I'm there to learn from you and to do things in a culturally appropriate way for you always. And so because of that, I had to kind of, I had to kind of like suck up my, there goes my pride again. Um, <laughs> and also my like independentness and just kind of let go of that. Um, and it wasn't easy. It, it didn't feel fair. It didn't feel fun. It didn't feel any of those things. Um, especially when there were times it's like, I can do it 10 times better than that guy can. Or like, I remember there was one time I had been in the country for like 10 months and then a guy had just joined our team and already he was doing things that I've been working for, for like 10 months. But simply because (laughs) he was a guy, he was able to just hop right in there and take it over. Um, so when you say you straight had to be like strategic, what does that look like? Cause how did you combat those narratives that you wouldn't be able to do things like what were some specific things that you were like no I can show you that I can do these things because I'm a lady yeah so basically where I was um girls were either at home or at school Mm -hmm. that's where girls belonged and here I am trying to make some girlfriends because you know this is gonna be my new home for like a year or so, mm-hmm. so I just don't meet somebody and make friends. Um, but I'm a girl, so I shouldn't like in America. I feel like you can just go to a coffee shop, mm-hmm. talk to some people, you know, like small talk, try and get a friend out of that. Um, you can go to the gym, you can go to the mall, you can pretty much go anywhere. You could really go for a walk if you wanted to. You could do whatever you want. Um, there, I couldn't do any of that, and even if I did, um, like everybody would look at me if I just went up to somebody and been like, hi, like, I'm Ashley. Do you want to hang out? Like, she would need to see if it was okay with her father. Her father would need to see if it was okay if I was her friend. Um, all, because people are always, people are very watchful of the foreigners where mm-hmm. I live. Um, so the father would ask the people around the town if, you know, this foreigner was an okay influence for his daughter. Um, and based on what her father said, she would be allowed to hang out with me or not. So, it's very annoying because I'm 23 years old. And you're telling me you can't hang out with me because your dad's a no? It's like, like you're I an adult. Parents, but like, <laughs> they weren't that bad. Um, but in that, in that way, I just sucked it up, and I would go about things in that culture's way. Mm-hmm. So if I needed to act a certain way, basically, um, a culturally appropriate way to be your friend, then I would just do it. I would just humble myself for that moment. And I would still go after it, but I would just do it in a way that was appropriate. And so sometimes it took a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, for example, for events, um, I couldn't just, like, go about town and just start talking to all the men in the town, handing out flyers about, like, some event. But what I could do is with some um, guys that I trusted, you know, pump them up, give them a vision for the event, be like, go spread the news around town, mm-hmm. and we'll do it that way. So it's just... Um, a little low-key manipulation, Manipulation, but more like, <laughs> more like honestly, just like friendship. So, mm-hmm. another way I made friends is I taught piano. There was a need. People wanted to know piano. They wanted to give their kids skills, mm-hmm. so they were, their kids had more of an option when they more of an option when they went to cities, and also so their kids would be more desirable to schools in cities and stuff like that. So I would teach dance. I would teach Western dance. I would teach Western piano, as I called it. 
I would teach, help teach a little bit of English. And so just those were skills that people were looking for. And I was like, I can totally meet that need for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll totally do that for you. Um, and eventually that's how I started just developing friendships and really just started pouring into the people that I was teaching and building those relationships, relationships and those friendships. And then you, by that point, you do build trust with the community mm-hmm. and you form just that, just like a community, which is great. And so I kind of, in America, we're so individualistic and, um, we're so proud of that. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's great to be your own person, but, um, there are some countries where it's, it's totally community minded and mm-hmm. being an individualistic is, it's like almost taboo. Um, and instead of being like, well, I'm an American, I'm an independent woman that moved here, got on a plane by myself, moved to this mm-hmm. country. Like I can definitely do this. Instead of just being like, you know what, this is a different country, this is a different culture, I'm going to respect that, and um, just, just give it your best shot. That's like, <laughs> I don't know what I was doing half the time. That's my best. But don't we all not know what we're doing <laughs> half the time? I feel like I that's my, yeah, literally that's my natural, my natural aesthetic, and that's how I go about my life. Yeah. So, so one question that we like to um ask all guests is what do you think defines a woman or like womanhood well (laughs) what a loaded question (laughs) we like to surprise you know just what a real reaction Um, so I think I think obviously women and men should be treated equally um but I do think women and men bring different things to the table. Like, I don't think we're, this, we're the same. Like, I, I don't know how to word this. Maybe you can help me. Mm-hmm. I think we should be treated equally, but I don't think we're the same at all. No, it's true. Like, we should, yeah. we should be – I would even change that to equitably. So we, yeah. should be treated, yeah. we should be treated equitably, I think is. Yeah. Um, and so in saying that, I think one of the main things that being – that women naturally are and is I think we are nurturing and I think we bring life and so obviously yes like we have babies so we bring life that way but I think (laughs) even like um to ideas and to yeah just ideas and meeting people where they're at and um, helping people and nurturing people things that bring people back to life things that bring ideas to life things that, you know, there are so many leaders that could dream up something, but until you bring that dream to life, it doesn't change anything. And I think women, we have such a unique and needed way that we just naturally are. We just naturally do that. We're naturally nurturing. We're naturally more on the compassionate side. And yes, that makes us a little bit more emotional and all that craziness that also comes with us. But um, (laughs) I think it's, maybe to some people it comes across as weaker and I remember I struggled with this for for a while I was mm-hmm. like I don't want to be seen as that because that's just seen as like as weak and like feminine is just femininity is just weak and I just I want to be like a strong independent woman and really when I utilize the core of who I am I've been created to bring life I've been created to help keep life and to restore life and nurture it to its best ability I have a dream. I want to nurture that dream to the best that I can. If I see something in somebody, if I see a skill in them or a talent in them, I want to nurture that. I want to help them be the best that they can be. And I think women have an extremely unique way that we just are able to do that in a way that men aren't able to. And not that 
I mean, they also have their own strengths that maybe we aren't as strong in, but I think being a woman is just um, knowing who you are, knowing that you, and yes, like knowing you are beautiful and knowing you are loved and knowing you are all those things. But um, for me, a lot of it does come from my faith. I know that I am free from anybody else's opinion that I am, I, as being a woman, I know that I am free to live from other people's opinions. I have hope to give to other people and to help them give hope to other people. So it's just a ripple effect. I can really, I can really bring life into this world. And yes, I can do it through having babies and stuff like that, but I can also do it through, I mean, all of us are a little bit broken. Like who isn't broken in this world? I can help bring broken people back to life. I can do that. For me, I can do that through my faith and through the gospel and um, through the one that has given me life. You know, that's how I can do it. And I think that's really what being a woman is. And so for some people, that is being a boss lady in, you know, corporate America and really rocking it and really killing mm-hmm. it and really bringing those things, you know, to the table and bringing those things to the light and talking about the things that maybe nobody else wants to talk about and you know how like guys just shove everything under the, under the rug and mm-hmm. us being like no like we need to talk about this if we want to change we need to bring this to the light we need to take care of it we need to nurture it and we need to make it healthy again and I think I think that is the biggest one of the biggest things that I've come to really um le- learn not to shy away from and being a woman and is isn't being isn't being proud of that I think even with this podcast you said you're like I just had a dream you know and then I was like maybe like Maybe I can just like start a podcast, you know, and I think that's just you bringing that dream to life little by little. And yeah, I think, I think that is what being a woman is. I mean, there's, I could go on and on because that's such a loaded question, but I think in short, that's what I, that's what my answer would be. Mm -hmm. Um, just, yeah, just knowing that. And because I have that, because I have that ability, that's it. I can rock it. That's really how it goes. That was so, man. We just these answers, killing it, killing it. All right, lovely listeners, we are gonna take a short break and then we will be right back. Okay, guys, we are back, um, and we are gonna do one of our segments called "Okay, You Get Five Minutes." Um, And as explained before, this is basically a segment where we talk about a question or a comment or kind of like a statement that we feel that men around us constantly make and we're really sick and tired of kind of answering this question or having to respond to this statement. Um, And so today we're going to be talking about men just when they want to invalidate women's feelings, they just kind of go, oh, she's crazy. (laughs) A suggestion bought by the lovely Ashley, but one to which I completely agree. If there are any guys listening to this out there, if you are in a tip or disagreement of any kind, whether it be big or little, it is not helpful when you say we are being crazy. Like, it's just, it just fires us up all the more. And I do understand that the nature of a woman tends to be more emotional than a man. Our thoughts are not linear like I feel men's are. Ours are like left and right and here and there and connected every which way. And I get that guys aren't like that. And it's okay if you, like, I don't, I think the thing that frustrates me is I am not a super, like, I do not open up easily. 
Mm-hmm. And so if I do, and then you just tell me I'm crazy, just like, like, dude, like, I just did something that was very hard for me. I don't need you to, just because you don't understand, to tell me that I'm just crazy and invalid. <laughs> it's and here's so the true. thing. I understand that sometimes my feelings are not right. I am not oblivious to that. I totally believe a girl's, or a guy's, because there are plenty of emotional men in this world. I they're totally all emotional. Believe. Don't, like, let any of they're all emotional. They're I just totally not trained. I your emotion can be wrong, but it doesn't mean that it's not there. It doesn't mean that you just brush it off. It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. You still have to work through it. You still have to deal with it. You still have to talk it out. And just as a tip to all of the men or all of the girls that are just so emotionally detached from themselves like I am, if <laughs> – um, I think a very healthy thing, a very helpful thing, especially in relationships, and I'm not just talking about romantic relationships, also even like friendships, um, part of hearing somebody out is validating that those feelings are there, and then whether they're right or wrong, you can talk that out, you can work that out, but not just like brushing them away, like they're totally crazy. And then honestly what it just does, it just makes the person feel insecure like if somebody were to tell me oh you're just crazy like it just makes me feel number one insecure it makes me wonder well am I really crazy for feeling this way like maybe I really am just that far out there and I'm just really that crazy when it's not it's just that they didn't interpret it the way I interpreted it and there was some miscommunication but because we're not talking about that I'm just crazy and then my point of view is totally irrelevant just a lot healthier it's it's so I just have so many feelings on the topic because I hate, I also hate this. And I don't, I don't necessarily even think it's like men feel that they are like less, I feel like we're just as emotional. We just, society has trained it. So it's like women express their emotions more because my, my kind of like questioner statement for okay, you get five minutes was basically, I don't like guy friends coming up to me and asking me to interpret another girl's feelings. Like, I don't freaking know. Like, I can barely understand it myself. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was like, why don't you just ask her? Like, I, because for me, I'm just kind of like, you don't, or like you have, just like saying she's crazy, just because like you don't understand it. She may be making a valid point, maybe not in a way that you understand, so then you go back and ask her to explain it, but just don't all of a sudden get mad and like, write her off and I feel like there's also this kind of thing where like men think that we all think the same yeah because and we don't like we have we are very complex creatures and yeah and so I understand that it is a challenge I understand that we are not the easiest bunch but um, but neither are you (laughs) (laughs) but on, on the flip side I never have any idea what they're thinking either. That's why I need to hear them out. Yeah, that's just like, and I think that's, I think that's the thing is like, we hear them out and they don't hear us out. Yeah. And that's not saying like all men won't hear you out. I just feel like it, when it comes to like certain things, it's kind of. In one ear out the other. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. well, no, this is just like a woman thing. And it's like, no, this is like a person thing because. <laughs> it's like I, a humanity. Yeah. It's like a humanity thing because I tend to be a human on rare occasions. So like. This is one of the times that I am being human, so I feel like you should listen, but it's whatever. I don't know. I just <laughs> I just feel like that's something that happens super often, and then they, like, attribute it to, like, our emotions, and they're like, oh, well, 
you know, she's yeah, just, just crazy. Yeah, you're just being emotional, and it's like, or maybe I'm just expressing my emotions. I feel like those two things get so conflicted. It's like, oh, this person's yeah. just being, like, it's so emotional. It's like, no, they're express- expressing their emotions. Yeah. And I feel like those are Which two I very different things. Actually, so, I mean, I get that they might, I get that they might not understand it, but that doesn't mean, just because it's not like them, it doesn't mean that it's invalid. It doesn't mean that it's wrong. It's just different. It is just different. That's really what it is. It's just different. And just kind of deal with that, please. That's just my... I don't know. I just... I'm just just very tired of it. Like, I feel like when they do want to express emotions... Obviously, we're making... Just for everybody out there, we're making, like, very grandiose kind of uh, references. Obviously, this is not, like, everybody... I've met plenty of guys that don't say that also, for the record. Oh, yeah. Tons. I, you know... I'm friends with other men that are quite lovely, um, but I I do notice this concept, and I and I I notice it also coming from some women, like in the sense of like, don't act too emotional because they're yeah, not going to take you crazy or crazy. And I and I'm just like, what is that? So I can't like show my emotions as a human type person in this space. I mean, even with my boyfriend, there have been some times where. I'm, like, being slightly more emotional about something than he is. Um, and he is very emotional himself, so I will say it's very even <laughs> when it comes to us. But in this specific scenario, I was being a little bit more emotional, and he just could – he just does not think like I do. Not only is he a guy and I'm a girl, but also personality-wise, we're totally different. So um, he was just not seeing how I was seeing things at all. And um, just didn't understand why I was so worked up. And so once he heard me out, he was like, okay, I would never get to that conclusion, but I could see, now that you've explained mm-hmm. it to me, how you would get to that conclusion. Instead of just being like, you're crazy. Like, you're crazy. You're just an emotional crazy girl that's just, like, having a moment. Here's the thing. We're not crazy. I mean, we are because everybody is a little bit crazy. <laughs> Because, Everybody's a little bit crazy. you know, we're here and we exist and people bother us. But so we're going to be a little bit crazy. But I feel like the connotation that that automatically applies to women kind yeah. of drives me bananas. And I yeah. feel like it sets us back like 100 years as yeah. like a, as humanity and like a species. Um, yeah. And, it, and it makes me want to like punch you in the face. So. That's true. And like we, you're a missionary. You can't resort to violence. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, guys, that's been okay. You get five minutes on the reason that we as women are not crazy. Don't invalidate our feelings. Um, but thank you, Ashley, so much for being on the show with us. It's been such an awesome time. Yeah, it's been so good having you. Um, so, guys, thank you for listening and gals and everything in between because it's 2018. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for listening today. Uh, And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, we'd like to thank you for listening to More Than a Pretty Face. This podcast was produced and written by Grace B and Natalia A. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at PrettyFaceLady3. You can go ahead and also like us on Facebook at More Than a Pretty Face. If you'd like to send us any emails, questions, comments, concerns, if you want to be on the show, know somebody that can be on the show, if you'd like to sponsor our show, 
please email us at prettyfacewomen at mtapfpodcast.com and please subscribe and leave reviews on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, talk to you soon.